Praise the Lord, everybody. So awesome to be in the house of God on a Wednesday evening. Amen. I want to open, if we could stay standing for the opening of the scripture. Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. You see, I want to just use this verse to start out the thought that God knows more than I could ever even know. He knows things, if we could go back to that scripture, it says he knew of me. It says that before I formed thee, I knew thee. Before anyone could know anything about me, he knew everything that there was about me. Amen. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity of time to just fellowship together and, and crack open your word and, and set forth to rightly divide that word of truth. Lord, we want you to be in the middle of everything we do here today because it is all for you and we want to glorify you with this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I want to read a sheet of statistics. I want to lay a little bit of groundwork before I get up and running today. If you could just bear with me a second while I set this up. I've taught this uh, part of this lesson before. I've shared it with the youth group. And, um, you know, I, I, it's, uh, when I was going through school, I always thought I was going to do something in the field of science. And not as much as today, but back in the day, you, just, you, you could see the wince on everybody's countenance when you say that as a young man trying to live for God. Because there's a little bit of a battle there, and I think we all know what I'm talking about. And e that's even more so now. And according, it depends on which survey, obviously, the numbers di differ slightly. But they surveyed many that considered themselves Christians. And it got down around to about 40% of self-proclaimed Christians did not have a prayer life at all, other than at church. And it got to about 30% didn't pray, pray with anybody else at all. Couple that with what some surveys also say, that once kids get to a level in their schooling to college, that once about by their second year, the fail rate, or in other words, the rate that they will not come back to church, not darken another door, church doorstep, depending on the survey, 70 to 80%. Now, I don't believe that we have to fall prey to that. I think that our children here can be an exception to that number, but it is important to understand the tactics of the enemy and know that my kids are important. I need to spend a little extra time with my kids, amen? So just to lay that groundwork, there has been a battle in school and especially in the field of science. Now, you know, you don't have to be ashamed to love science if you're a Christian. 
true science goes side by side with God's wisdom and his word. Amen. I don't have to be ashamed to, to love finding out how the world works. Originally, as, as men proclaimed themselves as scientists, it was to get to know God and his creation better. We have strayed so far in academia, amen? So I think one of the reasons why kids fall into the, those, those statistics is because they're made to be ashamed to question their teachers or professors, think about it. Those, those, that's, that's their authority. I got to listen to what this bimbo has to say or I'm not going to pass the class. I'm going to be out quite a bit of coin, amen? Or what about this angle? What about they're, not, they're too afraid to ask their parents the hard questions because they might be browbeat? How dare you ask about that? How dare you have a lack of faith in that area? Kids, when they are growing up and going through those teen years, there are many things that they want to figure out. Amen? And we need to be there as a helping hand. It's not bad to ask challenging questions. I'm not going to teach the whole story, but in Job 38.4, Job asked God some hard questions. It says, and, and this is what God came back with. You may ask those questions, but sometimes God's going to say, pull up your britches, boy, because I'm about to school you. I'm about, I'm about to give you some learning, okay? He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Please put that verse into memory. You see, man's been searching for answers about the world around us for a long time, and we call that Science. Psalms 19 verses 1 through 3 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Jeremiah 10, 12 says, He has made the earth by his power. I don't care what those textbooks say. If your science is at odds with my God, it's absolute nonsense and it doesn't deserve any space in my mind. It says he has established the world by his wisdom and has stretched out the heavens at his discretion. You see, it's his wisdom. It's believing that God knows more, that it's been under attack since the very beginning in the Garden of Eden when Satan looked at Eve and said, did he really say that? Is that really the truth? And that is what we have to come against. Science means knowledge, and true science always agrees with the observable evidence, and in my opinion, the Bible as well. I want to run through some facts here that just blew my mind that were in the Bible in the wisdom of God being given to us long before we ever stumbled across these facts, okay? Number one, the earth free floats in space. Uh, Sister Play, I'm going to rattle off some verses. I'm not going to read them. This is just for notes. Job 26.7 tells us that. It's affected only by gravity. While other sources declared that the earth either sat on the back of an elephant or a turtle or was held up by Atlas, the Bible states what we know to be true, that he hangs the earth on nothing. Number two, creation is made of particles, indiscernible to our eyes. Hebrews 11.3 tells us that, and it wasn't until the 19th century 
was it discovered that all visible matter consists of invisible elements. Number three, the Bible specifies the perfect dimensions for a stable water vessel. That's Genesis 6.15. Shipbuilders today are well aware that the ideal dimensions for ship stability is length six times that of the width. Long before we ever, ever had it documented elsewhere, guess where it was? Right here in the Bible. That was 4,500 years ago. Just think about that. Number four, when dealing with disease, clothes and body should be washed under running water. That's Leviticus 15, 13, where we find that. For centuries, people naively washed in standing water. You, you see it when you see those documentaries where they have the, the communal hand-washing bowl right before they eat with their hands. Man, I... I if I lived in that day, I really hope that, that uh, you know, I would be a rich person so that I could be the first to the communal wash bowl. <laughs> I can only imagine the smell that would start to, you know, fester from the bottom of, of your fingernails, being the fifth, sixth, or twentieth person to wash your hands in that bowl. Come on now. But today we recognize the need to wash away germs with fresh running water, but yet the Bible's been telling us that all the way from Leviticus. Amen? Number nine, blood is the source of life and health. Leviticus tells us that. Chapter 17, again, up until 120 years ago, sick people were bled. You ever heard of bloodletting? Many died as a result, and one famous case was George Washington, whether it was from complications or from the bloodletting itself dude died. How do we not know better? The, the Bible's been telling us for so long that, come on, that's where your life is at. Don't be draining that stuff out. Today, we know that healthy blood is necessary for bringing life-giving nutrients to every cell in the body. God declared that life, the life of the flesh is in the blood long before science understood its, its function. Can you say it with me that God knows more? Amen. Number six, the universe had a beginning. Genesis 1.1 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that. Starting with the studies of Albert Einstein in the early 1900s and continuing all the way to today, science has confirmed the biblical view that the universe had a beginning. When the Bible was written, most people believed that the universe was eternal. But science has proven them wrong and the Bible correct. Amen. You might believe in a big bang, but I do too. Mine's a little different though. God spoke it, and it was. Amen? Number seven, avoid swine. That's Deuteronomy 14. Not so long ago, science learned that eating undercooked pork causes an infection of parasites called trichinosis. Now, I'm not going to have a, a Bible study of, of what we can and can't eat right now, but just think about that. Do you know how long ago that was? That was 3,000 years before we learned how to cook that properly. We had no idea of the perils, but you know who did? That's my creator. That's my God, the one who has my back. Even when I don't even know the perils before me, he's been holding my hand through it all. Amen? I'm going to skip ahead. Oh, and I only highlighted a few. It'll blow your mind, but this is my favorite one right here. This is out of Job 38, 31. It says, the, 
everyone, I, I, I assume everyone's um, familiar with the constellations Pleiades and Orion. I'm not that much into the stars, and um, not even, not, it was never into astronomy, and definitely not astrology. If you are, I pray for you. Don't even get me started on that. But uh, So it says that the, the Pleiades and Orion star clusters were described in Job chapter 38, verse 31. The Pleiades star cluster is gravitationally bound. We know that now. While the Orion star cluster is loose and disintegrating because the gravity of the cluster is not enough to keep the group together. But 4,000 years ago, God asked Job, can you bind the cluster of the Pleiades or loose the belt of Orion? Yet it is only recently that we realized that Pleiades is gravitationally bound and Orion is loose. That is only now, that is only today, and he said it all the way back in Job. That blows my mind. That, that is such a testimony that God knows more than I could ever know. These are just the things that we're finally catching up to some, just a tip of God's wisdom. If he's given you a promise, if he said you're going to come through something, if he has something that, that, that he wants you to overcome or grow from, if he's given you that, he not only knows it's coming to pass, but he is omniscient, omnipresent, he exists, he has the power not only to make it happen, but to see it coming to pass. He has one hand on your promise, and he has one hand out to you saying, I have so much in store for you. I have so much wisdom. I know so much more than you could ever understand, and it's all for you. Amen. Can everybody say with me, God knows more. We've been playing catch-up since creation because God knows more. He always has, and he always will. You see, when he makes a promise, he already sees it coming to pass. I don't, know, I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what your personal struggle might be. But it may seem hopeless. It may seem like you're lost. But God's, God knows more. And he has already claimed that victory, like I said earlier. And I believe if you decide not to give up and to trust in him, just like Job is said in Job, who I used in the very beginning, it says that his latter days... Someone get a hold of that. His latter days will be more blessed than his beginnings. I believe that promise is to each and every one of us. Just hold on to that promise because the one that gave it to you is the one that will see it through. Amen. Praise God. What a word from God. Amen. I will do my best to be fast. Please forgive me if I am not. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Here, God is speaking to Abraham, and he's telling Abraham in his old age, your wife, who's also old, will bear a son. Abraham, he might have been doubting, and I'm sure he was, but Sarah laughs at the thought of bearing a child in her old age. When Abraham got this, this promise, he was 75 years old. 
Sarah was 65 years old. Imagine having a child, being told that you're going to have a child when you're 65 years old. As you know the story, Sarah does indeed conceive a child from Abraham, names him Isaac, which means laughter. If I had a title tonight, I would call it Praise God. You know, it, it's, it's funny how oftentimes we as children of God can be compared to toddlers. So my wife, when she's brushing our toddler's hair, she's three years old now, she gets it just right, puts every strand of hair just where it needs to be so it looks good, puts the right amount of hairspray in there, so, I mean, she's ready. She's ready for church. She's ready to go. And she says, okay, go play. Well, she, our daughter knows that it's time to get ready for church. So what does she do? She grabs a hairbrush, and she starts brushing her hair and brushing and brushing and brushing and brushing. So when she's trying to make herself look pretty, get ready for church, really what she's doing is she's taking that hair that was already fixed and bringing it out to the side. It's got hairspray, so it's sticking out. And so it looks like, it looks like she just got out of a spin cycle or something. And, and she just takes everything. And she just puts tangles in it. She puts knots in it. And she just completely messes it up. So many times, as children of God, God puts us right where we need, where we need to be. He, he, he puts us in places where we need to, and, and we may not see the product. We may not see a mirror where, where it reveals to us that God wants us in this certain situation, and so we operate based on feeling. So we, we operate not knowing God has a plan for this, this, this process that we're going through. And, and so many times, if, if, we're, if we hurry, if, if we don't let patience have her perfect work, James 1.4 Soon enough, we will cause far more damage in our walk with God. And, and God is just standing there saying, I, I, I put you right where I wanted you to be. I, I, I had you right where I wanted you to be. I, I, I put you in this situation so that you can grow. I put you in this situation so that you can, you can see what you're capable of. God is so good. You know, we're, we're so much like that. You know, we, we, we get in situations where, where we judge it too quickly, where, where we don't see the, the end result. And so if we're not careful, if, if, we don't, if we don't take our time, things can quickly go sour. That's why it's so important to walk by faith and walk after the Spirit. Romans 8, 5 says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Praise God. You know, I, I know it's difficult to walk after the Spirit because it's, it's difficult to decipher, to see if you're walking after the Spirit or not. It's been said many times from this pulpit, Think of a dog fight. There are two dogs fighting each other. One is spirit, one is flesh. 
How do you know which one is going to win? It's the one that is fed more. So if you feed the dog with flesh more, your flesh is going to win. However, in our daily lives, the more you feed your spirit, the more you get into the Word of God, the more you get in on your face in prayer, you're feeding your spirit. You're allowing your spirit to grow and to strive. Amen? So what about right now? Where do we stand this very night? Where are we at? I'm asking myself this. I'm, I'm asking you to ask yourself this. Just take, a, just take a moment of reflection. You know, some of us, we, we might be in this, this confused area, this confused state in our walk with God where I, I know where I'm at. I, I know where I should be. But I just don't know how to get to this, this from A to B. You know, we, we, want to, we want to be walking in the Spirit. We want to be living a sacrificial life and pleasing God. But, but some of us, you know, we, we, might be, we might be just in this, in this spiritual funk where it seems like we just can't see the end result. You know, God, God has a mirror for us. The Bible says that the Word of God is as a mirror placed in front of us so that we can reflect upon our own selves. Praise God. Talking about God of the impossible. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. All these things Brother Robbie was just explaining, all these things that he was just talking about, this is, this is to show God's greatness and his power. And so we might, we might be confused. We might, not, we might not see where we're going. We may, we may not see God's plan for our life, but if you just take a step back, if you just see all these things get, that God has done for us, the, the things that God has put on display to to. It, to display his power, praise God. You get a little bit more faith. You feed your spirit just a little bit more, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the very God who, who did all these powers, who, who showed his power by doing all these things, the very God who stretched forth his arm and hung the stars in the sky, created the heavens and the earth, that very, that very same God is here tonight. He's here and he's waiting on us. Praise God. He's waiting in these altars. This altar, this, this is a place of change. Amen. When, when things were going wrong in, in people's life in the Bible, they would build an altar and they would pray. And, and Jacob built an altar because he said God was here. God was in this very place, and so he built an altar. Amen. These altars God can meet you at tonight. These altars God is waiting for you to make a change. Amen. God is waiting for you to place your life into his hands. Start walking in the spirit. Amen. Praise God. Would you, would you clap your hands for just a moment and give God praise? Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, this life can be very confusing. The, the devil, he, he is the very author of confusion. 
You know, God has declared his goodness and his truth by all these things that we see, just like Brother Robbie was saying, but, but the devil will try and strike confusion in the people of God. If you feel like you're confused tonight, if you feel like you don't know where you should be with your walk with God, I'd like to remind you of Genesis 3.1. It says that the serpent is the most subtle of all beasts. The word subtle in the Hebrew means shrewd, sensible, sly, or crafty. You know, the devil is mischievous. And he will work hard on your mind to make you believe that you are in the wrong. He will make it seem as though what you know to be right is just slightly off. He will take that truth and he will just slightly twist it to create confusion in your mind. You know, he, he works hard. It says he's crafty, which means he, he knows how to work things. He knows how to just twist things just right. So it might just drop a little bit of doubt when it comes to your walk with God. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Praise God. Things might be dark in your mind. It may feel like you're in this cycle of life, life that's on repeat. It seems like that the light at the end of the tunnel is just so unreachable. And you don't feel that peace from God. That peace from God that passes all understanding, as the Bible says. But we need to walk by faith. Amen. Amen. Genesis 18.11 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women, meaning she couldn't bear children. She was confused. She couldn't see how it was possible for her to carry and bring forth a promise from God. Genesis 18 and 14 in the Amplified, it says, At the appointed time when the season for her delivery comes. God gave that promise to Abraham. And it took 25 years before Isaac was born. Sarah was 90 years old when she had Isaac. But God had appointed a time for Sarah to deliver Isaac. Amen. When her season came, the promise was fulfilled. God had appointed a time for the promise in your life to come to pass. Amen. There, there is a season. There is a season for your prosperity. I, I want to remind you of Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate it. Day and night. Watch this verse 3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. Come on, would you put your hands together one more time? Would you lift up the name of Jesus tonight? If you feel like you're confused tonight, God has a special touch for you tonight. Amen. God can meet you this very evening. 
God might be reaching for you right now, this very moment. Don't judge your situation too quickly. God has a plan for your life, amen? You, you may have a feeling like you're being smothered right now, like you just can't, that you just can't get out, that you can't just reach out enough to be able to reach God's hand. But Psalm 91, 4 through 7, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be, by, by, be thy shield and buckler. I love this. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand shall fall at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto thee. You might be confused tonight. You might feel like that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But this darkness that you feel, it could be the very wings of God sheltering you from this world. Amen. It could be God himself shadowing over you. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret places of the Most High God shall dwell, shall, excuse me, shall dwell under the shadows of the Almighty. Amen. But if you feel like you've done too much in your life, if you feel like you have too much of a past, that you've spent too much time away from God, that you've spent so long of a time away from the altar of prayer, I want, it, I want you to know Adam and Eve felt the same way. Once they sinned, they, they hid themselves from God. Peter had denied Jesus three times after swearing that he would never deny him. Matthew 26, 75 says he ran away weeping bitterly. Peter felt this. He felt like, I've done too much. I've got to get away from God. The Philistines, excuse me, but this, this very man who, who denied Peter three times, the, Peter who denied Jesus three times, this is the very Peter who came back to God and repented preached Acts 2.38. Amen. This was the very start of the church as we know it today. This man who denied Jesus three times ran away weeping bitterly. He came back to God. Amen. You know, there, there's an appointed time in your life to come back to God. Amen. I, I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I'm telling you, whoever you are, I'm telling you, God has appointed a time for you. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm closing with this thought. The Philistines had, had taken the Ark of the Covenant from the children of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence and the mercy of God. So they took the Ark of the Covenant and they placed it with their God, Dagon. But what happened was, while our God, the one true living God, was in the presence of a false God... 1 Samuel 5.4 reads, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both palms of his hand were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. When you get in the presence of God, the things that are working against your mind, 
the things that are working against the walk, your walk with God, amen, they cease to have power, amen. The things that have been tormenting you, they, they lose grip on your life, amen. Once you get into the presence of God, God removes the life from that thing that's boggling, boggling down your spirit, amen. They, they lose the voice that keeps speaking into your mind. God will cut off the voice that speaks into your mind saying, you can't do it. I'm telling you, friend, if you get into the presence of God tonight, there will be a change in your life. Amen. There will be a shift in your life and your walk with God. Hallelujah. Come on. I feel God in this place right now. Would you stand with me? Would you lift your hands for just a moment? Would you welcome God in this place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sister Playa, would you put up Luke 137 just for a second? Luke 137. Not many words in that verse. Man, is that powerful. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. The God who knows everything, He knew you before you came, were even in the womb. You know, the bigger the telescope they get, the more they see, and there's more God. Trust me, they were not going to find that telescope that all of a sudden they're going to say, Bep, that's where he ends, right there. Just past the Milky Way, it's, that's the stopping point. Well, he's only good at curing headaches. Can't cure my cancer. Oh, man, doesn't have He's good for you, Brother Robbie. Take care of you and your problems, but he can't fix my marriage. Can't get my kids off of drugs. Can't fix my workplace. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Anybody need a God like that right now? He's not, he has no borders. He has no limitations, Brother Carl. He, he's only, he's not, if it's not Sunday, it's not good. No, it doesn't matter what day. Praise God. In the middle of a lightning storm on a Tuesday night. where the hair on the back of your neck begins to stand up. Everywhere you turn, there's adversity or problem or trouble or a mess. But with God, nothing shall be impossible. I know it's Wednesday night and many of you got to go to work tomorrow. Very mindful of that. We've not been long. It's only, wow, it's really late. 
8 o'clock. Sister Haley's going to start to sing. A couple of the other ladies are going to come up and sing. If you'd just like to come and out of your seat, just begin to worship God because He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Because He is all-powerful. And He knows your problem. And He knows your situation. Each and every one of them, He knows it. You had a crummy day? Come make it uncrummy. You had a fight with your spouse? Come up to this altar. God help you.